Welcome to the Crossroads Youth Podcast. We hope this encourages and empowers you to be connected to God and one another. Thanks for joining us today and enjoy the message. This week we started a brand new series called The Greatest. And when I think of the greatest, I think of the term the goat, right? The greatest of all town, all time. And now in a room, I don't know, I had like a country accent there, all time, you know, my girlfriend's super country, so that's probably why, all time. Um, in a room like this, I'm sure that we have different opinions on like who the goat is in different sports, different, different arenas. So I'm gonna let your voice be heard. Everybody's gonna play along, okay? Everybody can do this. We're simply gonna stand or sit based on who we think the goat is. Fair enough? All right, let's start with the greatest quarterback of all time. Stand for Tom Brady or sit for Patrick Mahomes? Oh, oh, all right. You go, you're going with the rings, I appreciate it, okay? All right, let's do this. Fast food, okay? Stand for Texas's own Whataburger, Whataburger, or sit for the always mediocre McDonald's. All right, that's good. I'm with you on that. All right, what about this? Let's see what your opinion is on this one. Best rapper of all time. Stand for Eminem, sit for Drake. Y'all are like, I don't even, who are those guys? They're so old. Yeah, that's, that's, that's more my generation. That's fine. Greatest movie series, okay? Stand for the Avengers. Have a seat if you're a Star Wars fan. The struggle is real for some of y'all. All right. Hey, this one's not on the screen, but for my soccer fans, stand for Messi, sit for Ronaldo. Let's see. Messi and Ronaldo? Oh. My soccer fans know. All right. Last one. Probably the most important one. Stand for LeBron, sit for MJ. Where are we at? Hey, the four of y'all LeBron fans, I, I respect that. All right, go ahead, have a seat, have a seat. That was fun. This whole idea of like, which of these is the greatest isn't anything new for us. Even though the term the goat is like a recent thing, we've been trying to figure out what's the greatest for a long time. If you have your Bibles, we're gonna look at Mark chapter 12. Uh, and in this chapter, Jesus is presented with this question of which of these is the greatest. So here's the context. It was about commandments, okay? We have this, this scribe who uh, was somebody who was like proficient in like the Jewish law and the literature. And he asked Jesus the, the question of which of these commandments is the greatest? Which is most important? What's the goat of all commandments? And it kind of makes me wonder, okay, why is this scribe even asking this question? Like, like, why does he want to know this? Here's a little insight. In the Jewish law, there were 613 different commandments. 613. Like, like we complain about like trying to memorize the Ten Commandments. Imagine how hard it is to, to memorize, let alone follow, 613 different rules, different commandments. But I think the scribe's motive was more than just like trying to simplify his life, this, this long list. I, I think he really wanted to know which one do I need to focus on? 
Which is the most important? Because, I mean, if you were trying to please God, you would want to know which one mattered the most to him, which one he cares about the most. Think about it this way. If you know you have a science test tomorrow, okay, would you rather go and read and memorize the whole entire uh, textbook, science book, only to find out, hey, your test was really just on the lab we did last week? No, right? You'd want to know which is most important. What do I need to focus on? This question is the same in, in relationships. What does this person care about the most? What's most important to them? For me, I know my girlfriend loves handwritten notes, handwritten cards, way more than like any piece of jewelry I could buy her. That's just how she is. I know my mom likes acts of service the most over any box of chocolate I could give her. So what's the most important thing to God? What does God care about the most? So that, that's the question we're gonna answer today. Uh, of the 613 different Jewish commandments, throw in our 10 commandments, which of these is the greatest commandment in God's eyes? So hopefully you're at Mark chapter 12. We're starting verse 28. It says, And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that, he answered them well and asked them, Hey, which commandment is most important of all? And Jesus answered them, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, and with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And he says, the second is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. See, the scribe asks Jesus, and Jesus answers by quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6. Now, this is a verse that, that every good Jew would have known by heart. It's a verse still today that's recited in synagogues all around the world. Like this verse is a big deal. And so it's no surprise that Jesus would answer with that command. But Jesus didn't stop with just quoting this famous command, right? He added on to it that the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You see, it's one command with two parts to fulfill it. To love God, to love people. If you don't get anything else today, get this one point that I have for you. Loving God means loving people. Loving God means loving people. You can't separate the two from each other. You can't love God and not love your neighbor, right? Jesus knew the law better than, than any devout Jew, and so he gave them this answer that they were expecting, right? And then he raised the bar. Then he challenged them to something more. He gave them a full picture of what loving God really looks like. Let's break down his command a little more. You see, Jesus starts, uh, we'll start where Jesus started, where he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Why does Jesus list these out? The heart, the soul, the mind, the strength, they, they represent this, this total commitment to God. He's saying, love God with everything that you have. A little side note, in some of the other accounts, because um, this story is kind of repeated different times in the Bible, in some of the other accounts, they don't use the word mind. But I think it's significant here that Mark, who is writing in Rome to a Greek audience and, and Greek-thinking people, he, he, he separates out the word soul because they would separate that out into kind of two different paths. 
a, a breathing part and a thinking part. So Mark adds this just to, to drive it home, how important it is to understand that, that loving God means loving him fully with every single part of your being. So love God with all of your heart. Get this, the, the, the heart is the center of our feelings, right? But it's so much more than just your emotions. It's your desires. The desires of our heart drive our, our actions. You see, the condition of our heart will reflect the choices that we make. You know when you, you say something or you do something and you're like, man, I don't know where that came from. I can tell you where it came from. It came from your heart. It came from what's going on on the inside. You might not like what's going on there, but whatever is happening in your heart will flow out. If you've got hatred in your heart, that's going to flow out from it. If you have hurt and pain in your heart, it's likely that you're going to hurt other people and try to inflict pain on them just to, to try to make yourself feel better. See, the desires that you have in your heart, the, the, the feelings, the emotions you have in your heart become reflected in the life that you live. And if you've got love in your heart, if you've got the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you, well, that's reflected in this life that you live. The condition of your heart will be reflected in the, in the fruit of your life. Jesus was the one that said, a good tree can't bear bad fruit, and a bad tree can't bear good fruit. And then he went on to say, out of the, the abundance of your heart, the overflow of your heart, the mouth speaks. So if Jesus is telling us to love God with our whole heart, I think it's important for us to check the condition of our heart to make sure that we've got the right desires in there. Make sure we can produce the right fruit. So, how's your heart today? How is it? What's the fruit that you see produced in your own life? Is your heart healthy and full of the desire to love God with everything you have? Or do you need to be more like David in Psalm 51 and pray, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Well, not only does, does your heart matter, he goes on to say your, your soul. What about your soul? How, how do I love God with all my soul? This was always something that was like kind of a weird thing to me because I didn't fully understand it. So I literally had to study some more this week to be like, okay, I, I need something. Like, how do I make sense of this? And I read in this book that, that described it like this. The soul represents your energy. It's the, the life force that jolts us into action. It's the twinkle in our eyes. It's the bounce in our step. It's the giddy in our giddy up. I kind of like that. The soul shows you what you're passionate about. Growing up, I had two main passions, football and fishing. I played football every year as long as I could from when I was five years old, like the, old, the youngest you could start to when I graduated high school and they weren't going to pay me to go play in college. And I was like, yeah, I'm kind of done. But I love football. I played it all the time. And if I wasn't playing football, I was trying to go fishing. And fishing is just something that, like, I still love to do. But as a kid, like, I can't tell you how many nights that I just, like, didn't sleep throughout the night. 
because I was so excited for the next day. Man, what, what are we going to catch? Man, you remember that one time, just thinking through all the past trips, what could happen the next day, even trying to think through, like, what can I do in the morning to, like, get things ready so that we can be out the door as fast as possible? It was crazy. It took me a little while to realize that if I just, like, slept, then it would go by even faster. It wouldn't feel like seven or eight hours of just waiting. It'd be like, oh, hey, I'm awake. Let's go fishing. But I want to wake up every day with that same kind of passion, that same kind of excitement when it comes to my relationship with Jesus. Like, I, I want to love God in such a way that I'm overly excited about what might he do next. And I want to lay in bed at night and just reflect on all that God's done in my life, think about all that he might still be doing, and to, to, to think about, man, what can I do better to prepare myself for God to move in my life. I want to love God with all my soul, with all my passion, with all my energy. What about your mind? Jesus said to, to love God with all of your mind, and I think this one's super important. A pastor named Craig Rochelle wrote a book called Winning the War in Your Mind, and he says that our lives are always moving in the direction of our, of our strongest thoughts. So what thoughts have been going through your mind lately? Recently, I was challenged with thinking the way that I think about things. Uh, my natural tendency is to just question things. And sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes that's annoying and frustrating. And sometimes it leads me to, to get negative, to, to have a negative outlook on things. And I have learned that if I allow myself to stay in that mindset, well, it doesn't lead me to anything healthy. Instead, in order to love God fully, I've got to make sure that, that my mind is right. Paul says it in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10. He says to, to take every thought captive to obey Christ. And I know that I've got to do that. You see, loving God with all of your mind means renewing your mind, identifying the negative, harmful thoughts and replacing them with the truth. The best way to do that is to read your Bible. Find out what God really thinks about you. You see, we have to combat the lies that we're going to face and we're going to hear around us and the lies that we're going to tell ourselves in order to have a mind that can fully love God and live for him. But what about our strength? Love God with all our strength. One of my favorite things to do is to lift weights. One of my least favorite things to do is to do cardio. I know, couldn't guess. But I love lifting weights. Like, I love lifting heavier. Any, any weightlifters in here? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I really do. Like, I enjoy doing that. When I'm motivated, like, working out is one of my favorite things to do. There is a clause in there, when I'm motivated. But it's fine. I love it. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. That's not the kind of strength that Jesus is talking about here. What Jesus is talking about here with love God with all of your strength, he's talking about your resources, not just your muscles. How can I leverage my time, my money, my influence, my relationships? Because how you leverage those things will be a reflection of your relationship with God. You see, God has given each one of us unique strengths, unique giftedness, abilities to be used for a purpose so much greater than just trying to make ourselves famous. 
Whether your resources, giftedness, abilities are, are great or are small, I promise you God wants to use them all. See, later on in Mark chapter 12, you can look down. There's, Jesus tells this story of a widow with two coins that equal less than a penny. And he shares this foundational truth about giving God your best. That story is still shared today. There's nothing significant about the widow. We don't even know her name. There's nothing significant about two coins that equal a penny, right? Yet this is a truth that God used when she gave all that she had to still teach us today. So I would ask you, are you loving God with all of the resources at your disposal? Are you loving him with everything you've got to offer? You see, loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength means loving God with everything you've got. We don't get to pick and choose uh, how we love God. We can't just be passionate and not be thoughtful. We can't just be intellectually smart about Jesus and about the Bible, but not allow it to penetrate and shape the desires of our heart. We can't just be like feel loving towards God and not have actions that back up our emotions. In our world, the, the term love is more of an emotion than an action, and it's easy for us to feel like we're loving God because, well, we're, we're passionate. However, passion without putting it into practice can never honor God the way that he fully deserves. Love is an action. It's not just an emotion. And I believe that's why Jesus didn't just settle with quoting Deuteronomy 6 to the scribe. It's almost like his answer to the question of, hey, hey, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? He answered it with like a, well, you know the whole like, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But then he goes on with it and says, but you've got to love your neighbor as yourself. Like, like, like he did on the Sermon on the Mount where he took everything to another level, Jesus did it here. The greatest commandment isn't just to love God, but what goes with it is to love your neighbor. You see, loving God means loving people. Turn over to Luke chapter 10, a couple pages, next gospel over. Here we're going to see Jesus uh, say the same phrase, but in a, a little bit different setting. Luke chapter 10, starting verse 25, he says, and, and behold, a lawyer stood up and put him to the test. Never a good idea. Saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit life? And he said to him, well, what is written in the law? How do you read it? This is so great. You have this lawyer, right, this keeper of the Mosaic law, asking Jesus this question, testing him. Hey, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus answers with a question back to him. Well, what is written in the law? You know it, so how do you read it? And he, the lawyer, answered, verse 27, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he, Jesus, said to him, hey, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. And the lawyer should have just kind of left it alone there. But instead, verse 29, it says, but he, Mr. Lawyer, dude, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? You see, the word the lawyer used in this uh, setting for, for neighbor is kind of this narrow mindset, this narrow definition translated. His question is more like, 
who is close enough in like my proximity for me to have to care about them? Mr. Lawyer Dude wanted to justify the fact that he didn't treat people well, trying to find a legal way out of, of loving his neighbor. And Jesus sets him straight by redefining the term neighbor. And more than that, it was no longer the question like, who is my neighbor? It's, hey, who's willing to be neighborly? I think that's the question for you and me. It's not who is my neighbor. Is it, is it the person sitting right next to me? It's Am I willing to be neighborly? Who, who is willing to live in such a way that everyone you interact with is now your neighbor? Instead of looking for an excuse to, to not treat people well because, hey, they, they don't live next door to me or they don't live on my block or they're just different from me, Jesus makes it clear that everyone we encounter is our neighbor. I live in Midlow. Some of you live in Mansfield. That doesn't mean that if you're in need, I'm not gonna be willing to help you. If there's an opportunity for me to, to love Jesus and show his love to somebody, just because we live in different cities doesn't mean you're not my neighbor. And that's what, what Jesus clarifies here. You see, when the lawyer asked Jesus, who is my neighbor, who his neighbor was, Jesus goes on to answer him with one of the most famous parables. It's the story of the Good Samaritan who stopped and helped a complete stranger he encountered who was in need. You see, we can't just opt out of loving our neighbor because it's not the person who lives next door to us or because it's someone who's different than us. It's easy for us to, to, to love those who we're near, like geographically or economically or, or culturally or ethnically, but Jesus' command is not just that we like those who are like us, but that we serve those who surround us. That we live neighborly, loving everyone we encounter. Because the most tangible way of expressing your love for God is by caring for your neighbors. Remember, loving God means loving people. So what does that mean for us? I believe in order for us to love God and love people, we have to do things different than what we might be used to, what might be normal for us. In fact, I believe living for Jesus it means doing things that, that might seem a little bit backwards. It was Jesus who said that whoever wants to be the greatest must be the servant. Whoever wants to be first must be last. And so it's almost like the secret to being the greatest is by treating God and treating others like they actually matter a whole lot more than you, like, like they're the greatest. You, never, you ever notice how it's the people at school that like treat people really well, that care about people, that, that usually become the, the popular people? You know, it's one thing to be popular just because you're good at a sport or you're really smart or you can play an instrument well or acting or singing or whatever. It's another thing to be known for loving people, for caring about people. Man, that's genuine. Like people want to be around people like that. And so I wanna challenge you this week. Open up your eyes to the ways that you can serve others. Whether it's your actual next door neighbor, like don't hear me, you can be neighborly to your neighbor. Or it's somebody you encounter at school, out at the store, like, Find a way to, to show God's love to somebody who, who you might usually not. 
Find a way to be neighborly to somebody who isn't your, your direct neighbor. Find a way to love God fully and live neighborly because loving God means loving people. Let's pray together. Thanks for joining us today. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, or even take a screenshot and share it to your social stories and make sure to tag us at Crossroads Youth. Thanks again for listening. See you soon.